Hi, I'm Sadek. And I'm Christian. And this is episode 43 of Shades of Brown. Uh, this week, uh, we're going to be doing uh, an update segment. We're going to start off with uh, Mac OS bugs. Uh, we're going to be talking about the big bug that's in the news. Uh, you may have heard about it. It's the uh, bug that lets you log in as the root, path, root user, even if, if you don't have the right credentials for it. Uh, Christian, you want to uh, kind of give a summary of this? Okay, so essentially what happens with this bug is that if you go to the system preferences, you can go either to like your security panel or your accessibility menu, any menu that would prompt you to enter your administered password to change settings in. Um, if you change the username to root and kept the password box empty and just hit the unlock button a bunch of times, it would work and it would enable a root account that is passwordless on your system. And so like, this bug is just ridiculous on multiple counts, right? Like, A, the fact that spamming a button with no password would even work to begin with, and B, the fact that you're able, that there's somehow a, a slip-up in the code that would enable the root account, which, to be uh, to be clear, all Macs ship with a root account that is disabled. Um, It's still a Unix system, right? Uh, Darwin's BSD-based, so there's always, so like, the idea of having a root user and all that. Is, is in the system but so apple ships it disabled apple does some sip stuff on the uh firmware side to make it hard for for the root account to really uh be like remotely enabled or anything like that but as this one's done locally with a user it's just like it's a ridiculous bug. so they, they patched it though a uh, day afterwards it broke file sharing uh, i think they fixed that now which is a f- perfectly fine trade-off i would rather have this bug fixed than uh that you know, in a secure system with Samba shares working. But yeah, though, um, if you have a Mac, as soon as it's connected to the network, Apple will automatically download and install this update. Uh, what do you think about the bug? It's, this is one of those bugs that it's like, everybody involved is probably like, what the hell? How did this slip through? But no, the thing is, it probably slipped through because nobody thought this would actually happen. Like nobody thought this would be a use case that you need to test for, right? Like this is not, like it is, it's an unusual. So like, it's not a, like, a, like if you think of it, it's kind of, in hindsight, it feels like how the hell did Apple get, like how, how did this get by them? Uh, but when you actually think about it, it's it is a logic error, and sometimes logic errors are not apparent because you're not actually thinking in that path, right? You're not thinking that this would actually logically happen uh, or it would be triggered in any way. So nobody thought to test for it. They probably they probably did test that the root user is properly disabled and it couldn't be normally re-enabled. But this method probably nobody thought you know to actually test for. So that that uh, good an apple to get the update. Straight away, obviously, uh, and it's also a mandatory update, which is rare. Uh, I think it's the second time they've done a mandatory update, so that's good. Uh, go update your Mac if it's shut down or whatnot. Just just go update it. Uh, this is this is a critical one. So that's uh, the Mac OS update. Uh, we're gonna move on to the iOS uh, release of uh, eleven point two, which fixes the date bug, uh, which is the bug that will cause. Uh, uh, like what is the springboard right the app set set that have notifications set, set up to put a badge on your screen because of some weird issue it will cause springboard to crash if the date is set to december 2nd um i heard on a podcast that they're it's calling a date gate and i like that name so i'm gonna call it date gate now <sighs> <laughs> can, can, okay quick sidebar can we stop using the gate gate suffix with scandals because 
that was that only made sense for Watergate because it, there was an actual thing called Watergate, and that doesn't actually make sense for but whatever popular culture. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> Deadgate is terrible. Don't don't say that. Uh, but yeah, this bug is. Is, is 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 a fun one i think uh well fun as in it is an interesting bug but it is a bug that is dangerous because it could render your phone um inoperable so apple released this bug uh sorry released this update on saturday which is extremely unusual for apple because apple has a, usually keeps a release schedule of ios for tuesdays um I, they did that because they wanted to get ahead of it right they wanted to get before december 2 rolled that on Right, they wanted to get that bug, uh, that fix everywhere. So that's why they released eleven point two as fast as they did. And also, eleven point two comes with a few more things. Yeah, so uh, the, it comes with Apple Pay Cash, which is uh, only in the U.S. right now. So that you can send money to people using iMessage. Small feature, it's nice to have. Interesting how now Apple Apple is like getting into some financial stuff, not in terms of Apple Pay. But so there's be a temporary card on your phone that you can use to pay with at locations that support Apple Pay, which is uh. I mean, I think it's kind of interesting, but at the same time, like having Apple, you know, control everything and also now start holding money of mine is maybe get seeding them a little too much control. But that's a discussion for like, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, like uh, the thing is like, um, like in, in Canada, like uh, financial stuff is heavily regulated, obviously, by the government. So like uh, a lot of this stuff, it would probably not never happen or be very delayed in Canada because just because of very various financial regulations. Because uh, if you're if you're an entity that holds other people's money, you have to comply with a lot of regulations. Uh, so that's that's also a thing. Uh, well, it's in the U.S. I think it's the same way, but uh, in the U.S. it's just if you it's under a certain amount. Canada's probably stricter, right? In the U.S., I think it's it's a uh, if you have if you hold under a certain amount of money, what they treat it as like you know those like prepaid cards you own know, like a gas station you can buy. You just like oh you need like your ID and you can load it up with like five hundred bucks or whatever, right? Use it as like a sort of like a pseudo debit card. It's sort of like that kind of system, which isn't as regulated in the U.S. Uh, for better or worse but yeah so uh ios 11.2 brings that um it also brings a bunch of really great bug fixes and this is probably the first release of ios 11 i can like start widely recommending to people because like just to recap bugs i've had of ios 11 so far which are which have been fixed with this update uh like one nasty one is that notification center just stops working so if i swipe down from the top of the screen i just see nothing but my wallpaper which is uh i mean like I know I said notifications are bad on iOS and I'd rather not have them, but that's not what I meant. I'd still, I'd still like for that to work because it also breaks the lock screen a little bit, right? Because since the notification center is a lock screen, if I turn on my phone, I see no lock screen. I just see my wallpaper and like I kind of have to like maneuver a touch ID to get it. To, it, it was a whole mess that it required me to restart my phone. Um, other bugs that today view would stop working. Um, keyboard sometimes when it show up. No, um, now playing had this fun bug where if you uh, music like so, if I was listening to music, sometimes the widget on the lock screen would go away for whatever reason. But um, so there's I think there's a technical reason as to why that that kind of is a little bit fucky. So in previous versions of iOS, if I was like a podcast app or a music app, I would tell Apple, "Hey Apple, let me plug into this notification API to display music controls on the lock screen," right? But now how Apple's doing it is that anything that play, any sort of media will be caught by it. So if you're on, go like uh, go to Mastodon, open a GIF, and it's going to be a .mp4 file, right? And then swipe down or swipe up from Control Center and see in the always persistent note, uh, music player thing controls, what does it say? It doesn't say the last song you're playing. It's going to have that URL for that GIF. So uh, any any media, right, will be captured by it. So sometimes... 
if I'm like watching a silent video or if I'm on a website with an auto-playing ad or if I'm on a website with a notification sound, right? Like that's going to get caught by the system player as the now playing media thing. And that will, and once that sounds done, once that it's done playing, maybe the music pops back up. I guess the system gets confused and just doesn't display controls because it thinks nothing's playing. It's a, uh, Apple does the same on Mac OS. If you go to the notification or Mac OS, there's a now playing widget you can add. And um, mine per- is perpetually sent to instance.business slash public slash live slash notification dot bloop. <laughs> right? Like it's a, uh, I mean, it's beautiful, but at the same time, it's so annoying. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I can see that. Like that, I feel like that was like a maybe a workaround for something else that they tried to fix. Maybe like catching all all media playback is it feels like a workaround. Like it doesn't feel like an implementation that is is sensible all the time. Yeah, because if but... you like do YouTube, right? Why why do I need YouTube videos to pop up in the now playing screen? Like in Netflix videos, that does it. I get why it does it from a technical level, but from like a design point, like that it this button this play button's gonna do nothing for me mm, yeah this is yeah i, I see the issue like I, I feel like they were trying to work around for some other bug that they were trying to fix uh that's how software uh, programming is folks uh, you you fix a one bug and you just create like a billion more yeah uh, like this, this, i bet you it's probably something like with the mac os bug i bet you it's like there's probably like some ui problem that this dude this person this programmer is like oh this would be an easy fix and then like through some weird chain of probably like code that's going back 20 years it just uh, broke root login. Yeah, welcome to software development. Uh, it's 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 hard. Uh, you fix bugs, you can create more. Uh, iOS eleven would do also a few few small things. It enables uh, seven point five watt uh, wireless fast charging uh, with uh, compatible Qi based accessories. So this is for the uh, eight eight plus and the iPhone X uh, to charge faster using wireless fast charging. Uh, there's also uh, uh, live wallpapers for the iPhone X, uh, video camera stabilizing improvements, and alerts that clarify the functions of the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth toggles uh, in control in control center. Yeah, those are just because- toasts that when you like hit the icon, right, it'll tell you that like because uh, um, the change of iOS 11. If, uh, if you've been uh, catching up with the news, is that in iOS 11, if you go to turn off Wi-Fi, what it does, it dis- disconnects you from the current network and stops you from connecting to any networks automatically but it doesn't actually power down the radio so yeah i, I makes that clear actually this is yeah this was weird because uh last week's podcast i mentioned that i was uh without internet for a few days so i i had to keep the wi-fi turned off turned off because the wi-fi was still up but there was no internet connectivity so i was i was turning it off but i was like why is it connecting back on i thought i turned the radio off but turns out you know um that's what apple is doing now the radio is still on it just doesn't you know sometimes it just connects back to the wi-fi network for some reason i guess it thinks that oh yeah you you probably forgot to turn wi-fi back on so it, it does it for you or something um but yeah so that's that's what that what happening with wi-fi uh and bluetooth uh that's a clarification yeah so that's ios 11.2 that's and mac os uh we also have a few more updates uh with our apple we have the tv os update uh which fixes uh I'm actually not sure. It fixes uh, SDR content. So, so what um, it does is, um, so if you have a 4K TV, there's something called mode switching. Mode switching is, say for example, you have a display that is 120 hertz, but the content you're watching is 24 frames per second. It's going to look weird, right? Because the, the refresh rate doesn't match the frame rate. So what this does is that it, it starts mode switching, where if the TV supports it, it'll drop it down to a refresh rate of like 24 hertz or like 30 hertz or whatever rate. it'll match the match the frame rate to the uh 
to the to the refresh rate of the display, which in theory should make content look smoother. Because like um you get like this weird ghosting and sort of motion smoothing effect if I'm watch if you watch low frame rate content on a uh, high refresh rate display. Yep. Yeah, this uh this is this is a problem that has been, you know, it's a weird video problem. Like if you watch like content that is not matching the uh display frame rate or uh, display what is it? frequency um of the tv or the display uh it's, it's gonna look weird because especially with 24 fps you cannot auto, like you cannot automatically easily turn that into 60 uh with software because it's not like easily divisible like it's math it's all math this is all math problems here uh so i think that this is this is a good good solution uh but this is on the apple tv 4k uh with tv os uh 11.0 too. I I don't think there's anything else with that up there. Right? I think this is uh, just no. This just bug fixes and stuff. But uh, LOL TVOS <laughs> forever and ever. But also, there's the uh, Apple Watch uh, OS or Watch OS 4.2 was released. Um, that springs Apple Pay caches. But also, it fixes some bugs. Um, and like a particularly embarrassing bug that it fixed was your watch should reboot if you if you said, uh, "Hey Siri, what's the weather?" You oh, know, shit! You, I got it. Damn it! Yeah, you triggered it, didn't you? Um, <laughs> I, I hate see, this myself. This is why I have that. This is why I have, to, I have turned off right now. But uh, yeah, like this, I've never used Siri on the, and I don't use Siri much. I don't use it on the watch uh, at all. So like, I couldn't have triggered it even if I wanted. But uh, yeah, this is the, that's a funny bug to have. Like, it's kind of funny. Like, if you say what's the weather and it just reboots, that would just that's just hilarious and sort of embarrassing. Uh, it also fixes some other bugs where like uh like the serious like the date bug was i mean might have affected watch i don't know it probably didn't but uh like the scrolling issue with the heart rate app it also uh it makes it smoother for me at the very least it's making animation smoother and it's uh because i have a so you might not notice it on yours right because you have the uh series two but since I have no the original actually watch, right? I, like i have a story about the i have a story uh uh, well, not really a story, but uh, I have had an issue with uh, Watch OS 4 where my watch got really, really slow, like extremely slow, right? And like it wouldn't respond to touch properly, like it would have very long latency, like it wouldn't respond. Uh, like I couldn't swipe away notifications or anything, like it was really like latent with with delay with the animations and whatnot. And I had to like reboot the watch and then wait for it to come back up and for it to be functional again. Um, and with this update, I'm hoping this fixes that as well, because it was really annoying to use the watch. And uh, I've also noticed like animation delays with, even on the series two that, which I have, uh, and I'm just hoping that this, this fixes some of that because it, this has been a release cycle. That's been a bit janky for Apple. I feel like for across all the devices, um, and your watch watch is not, uh, uh, the problem yeah, so with ios and mac os we can always just wipe our devices and reinstall the software right if we really have to if things get like too weird but with watch os what can you do you can factory reset it but i it's still gonna pull an icloud backup right because you can't like you can only do that you can only set up as a do with like a new watch like watch you're, you're limited your options for troubleshooting a watch are turn it off and back on wipe it and pray that it goes away <laughs> like you you really don't have many options so yeah whatever if none. if there's bad bugs on the watch like with uh, mine i did it did we ever talk about it on the show you remember how i had to go to the apple store because right? it wasn't holding a charge yeah and how watch os 4.0 flat had a had a uh, bug that for original watches wouldn't charge it to 100 percent mm, yeah yeah this that is a 
great bug. Uh, terrible bug. Yeah, watchOS is, it, it has a lot of problems. It still feels a bit janky sometimes to use watchOS. Uh, it feels a bit slow, even on the newer watches, like the Series 2 and the Series 3. Uh, so, yeah, that's watchOS. If you have a watch, you probably, a watch OS that uh, you probably want to update because uh, it'll probably fix a few bugs that it, that have been around since uh, watchOS yeah, and, 4. Uh, and Siri will work for you now. Oh, yeah, that's such a silly bug. If, if you were the few people who actually use Siri. With I, I use it on my watch, but I use yeah. it to play music and to send text and stuff. But, like, so, actually, I think I think there's, like, why I don't want to turn into accidental tech podcast, but, like, Apple software quality. It's just like I it's I don't want to say it's bad, right? But so there is a hacker news thread where um so these are a ill hacker news, I'm sorry. B, this is anecdotal evidence, so take it as you will. But a couple people from Apple were saying that on a hacker news thread, we're saying that um ever since Craig sort of started taking the helms over all of software, he switched to Apple to a more agile mode of uh software development, right? Which I mean sort of correlates with what we've seen in public, right? Apple went from two-year releases to, like, yearly releases for macOS. iOS started getting bigger uh, feature sets, but still on the same time frame. And so I, I think that maybe might be it, right? That it's just their faster release cycle incur- is, is creates a culture where, like, testing isn't that much of a priority. Like, Microsoft's the same thing with Windows 10, right? Microsoft fired all their QA engineers. Like that, that's public. Like that's Windows Central's reported on it. A bunch of other blogs reported on it. Microsoft fired all their Q, a bunch of QA people and just made the insider program to offset public testing. And like, that's not a great way to do it because it it leads to buggier software. It does, yeah. Uh, but they wanted to make the release schedule faster, so that's that's the compromise that they made. Um, as 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 usual, this is software development is is a fun time, uh, and you have to make compromises. And you know, capitalism hashtag capitalism uh, makes companies do stupid things like fire their QA people or switch to a. The thing is, though, right? It's like Microsoft and Apple have the money to have a full full QA staff. It's not like this isn't like a, a a lean and mean like small business, right? Like Apple can hire people just to test their software. Apple can afford. Like I guess what I'm trying to say is like. Can we just go back to two-year releases? Just, like, longer release cycles, I feel like, would fix a lot of these. Just because there's more time that they get to spend on testing. Or even better, like, you have pat- you have point releases, right? So if Apple had a two-year release cycle, most Mac OS releases, most iOS releases go to 10.3, 0.4 before the next stable release hits. But if you have if you go into, like, 10.6 or 11.6, 10.13.8, that's, like, at that point, all you're doing is just fixing bugs. Yeah. Um, this this is a this is a discussion that we can have another time about software release cycles, but uh, there there's a, there's something to be said about slower development cycles. But I feel like uh, the marketing part of Apple and Microsoft would not be happy with a slower release cycle because they would have less things to announce, uh, and marketing loves to announce things. Uh, so that's that's that. But moving on from Apple. Uh, updates. We have a couple Android, sorry, Google and Android related updates. We have uh, Android 8.1 uh, Oreo um, is final and is it goes out to Pixel and Nexus devices and it brings uh, hardware accelerated machine learning to the Pixel 2 and otherwise it's mostly a minor maintenance release. Um, I don't think there's anything else that is significant to this release other than yeah it's just uh, bug fixes it also 
um, enables the pixel visual, it's like a coprocessor chip in the pixel for images. Like really 8.1 is just like a pixel update um, and bug fixes for everyone else. I mean, um, newer Snapdragon uh, chips will ki- are going to be shipping with the, so essentially what, what the new uh, machine learning stuff is called the Neural Network to API or uh, since Google loves acronyms, <laughs> NN API. NAPA. That's a terrible, terrible N- acronym. Napa, it's... Napa. You know, it's just Apple's uh, version of this is Coramel, which is a much better name. Um, but so essentially, you could just load like TensorFlow libraries and stuff. So uh, the practical application is so we could just make a demo app, right, where that does object recognition by using a, a machine learning database. So if you scan it at like a dog, it'd be like, "That's a dog." Woo! And so. Uh, it just it tweaks some icons and stuff. Um, Google is now adding. We're going to talk about the Pixel screen again. Uh, Google is adding um, things to might to, to prevent burn in. Like you can't prevent burn in all the way, but it does dimming and it inverts uh, some UI components to help fight burn in. But more importantly, Google's fixing the hamburger, beer, and cheese emojis. Um, yeah, I do not know why important. it's called a hamburger emoji because it's a cheeseburger, but <laughs> you don't put cheese at the bottom of a of a of a cheeseburger. Oh lord, not no Americans, whatever fucking Americans in the burger discourse. But uh, that, okay, that was a bit that was a bit uh, aggressive. Chill. What do you what what is what if that was a bit aggressive? Uh, but chill. yeah, the, um, <laughs> that was. <laughs> Jesus, it's just <laughs> oh god! I, I don't know why I'm salty as much as I am about the hamburger. I mean, thing, maybe but... this hamburger is just over seasoned. I'm uh, I'm turning. Oh, I'm logging god. off. Bye. Yeah, log off, please. Um, but uh, also, Android eight point one uh, marks the release of the Android Go program for OEMs. Um, Android Go is like the like a project to strip down Android OS into uh, like and many of the Google apps to run better on uh, low-end devices with one gig of uh, RAM or less. So this is like they're releasing a bunch of new stripped-down versions of the uh, various Google apps. Uh, yeah, so this is like um, Google's 25th attempt, I think, at making Android <laughs> slimmer. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's 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 necessary, and I feel like this is the better best attempt they have made so far um, at doing this. And they're actually releasing, like, you know, light versions of all their apps that are you know, more performant uh, on lower end devices. I feel like uh, that's, that's like, I understand why they're releasing lower end uh, versions or not lower ends, but uh, more performant versions of their apps. But doesn't that indicate that maybe they should be trimming the fat on the main apps to be, maybe with? yes. Like, um, but Google, <laughs> Google doesn't make sense. A lot of times uh, they do stuff in weird uh, one end of the company doesn't always, you know, maybe these are separate teams. It's, it's, it's a big company and Google doesn't move in uniform fashion. Uh, most of the time, it seems. Yeah, and honestly, uh, I'm looking at these screenshots. We'll have a link to the Ars Technica piece, and I, I just kind of like the uh, the UI of these apps more because of how more Spartan they are. Right, they aren't as cluttered. Like uh, YouTube Go doesn't have YouTube's new story feed. Oh, I'm sorry, it's not called Stories. What is it called? Replay, Relay, something like that. Um, it doesn't have any of the bullshit that that the regular YouTube Bubble app has. Like I would use YouTube Go over uh, regular YouTube. Yeah. It's it is good. Uh, it is a good app. Uh, it looks good. It looks minimal. It looks functional. You know, it, it has the features that you need, uh, and not nothing more. Uh, like these are all good apps. Like like if they made these the actual like f- like versions of minimal apps, like this would be a good place to start. But uh, who knows? Uh, Google just wants to keep this for Android Go devices. 
So that's that's Android Go. Um, you can you, you can check the full list of screenshots and you know apps that are gonna be Google Google Go Goified Google Android Goified uh, whatever. But basically, uh, I hope this comes to the U.S. too, right? And like, Canada, I mean, and not just like it, markets like yeah, India. He's like, yeah. so this is the thing, right? If shit phone was running Android Go, it would be ten times a better phone. It would. It would definitely be very much, very much better. Uh, but I feel like OEMs might not like Android Go as much as we think they might. Well, because um, Android Go, it's not even. Um, so there's Android One, right? And I think Android One didn't work out because Google was handling the updates and all that. And Android Go still gives control to OEMs. It's just like just to be, just to be Go. So I don't. Google doesn't handle the updating for that android go is still done by oem so right uh your phone will never receive an update pray that nothing um takes over all your information but so it's uh oems are up to uh, up, can still modify it and stuff but just to be go certified right just to get like the android go um sticker which apparently means something that's something i never understood in tech right like you don't you don't have to get that windows certified sticker or that like that intel sticker right like you just get a discount from the chip, I think, and like you have to meet some criteria. Like that's it's really weird, like how how much tech companies value having stickers on their machines. But that's a whole other discourse for an entire other day. <laughs> but right, so so you can still expect Android Go phones to be somewhat performant, hoping that Google isn't too isn't too lenient on their on how they um, give out that branding to uh, uh, companies. But I think it's still good. I I would like to I want to pick up one when it comes to the U.S. Yeah, I want, I want to see Android Go phones be a thing uh, available uh, in North America from carriers, uh, carrier channels, and you know, like places like buy you can like buy cheap phones from Amazon, stuff like that. I want to see those more. Um, I think those are a better. It's a good thing to have. So that's uh, that's Android news. There's also a little bit of sort of a sidebar on Android news. This is more related to the Play Store than. Uh, Android and the OS itself, but uh, and uh, Google is batting Android developers from uh, adding lock screen ads, which which is I mean finally like this is this is like a thing that has been happening for a long ass time. So many people have them on their phone too. So um like so where I work at right, we have like a photo machine right, and you can print out photos from your phone. And sometimes folks are like I don't know how to use this, so like fine, I'll help you out right. And, like, the amount of Android phones that have, like, connected to the computer that have lock screen ads. And, like, these people just ignore them. They just, like, keep swiping until it goes away. And, like, why is that? Why is that? A th- like, I understand, like, why for a non-technical user, why they think that might just be, like, a part of their phone or they just don't really understand it. But the fact that Google would even allow that. There's nothing good to come for that. What, what, what user benefit do you get from having a lock screen ad? None. None. This uh, this is this is peak late stage capitalism. Like this is like you know, like this is just this is just uh this is just companies exploiting users. Uh this is I mean there's no like like no other way to put it. This this is just bad for everyone. Like this is not good, this doesn't benefit anyone other than the companies advertising. And even the companies advertising in these sort of ads are probably not benefiting from this either, uh probably a lot. Because users probably ignore them more than uh, whatnot, so like it's like it's 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 bad. It's, it's just bad all around, and I'm glad that lock screen monetization is being you know. But I mean, how much are they going to enforce it though? Because that's also that's another problem with Google Play. Google Play has a lot of rules. Um, app, the App Store is just as bad, right? Like the App Store, 
well, Apple's rules, usually the ones that they uh, don't enforce as much are rules that I'd prefer they don't enforce to begin with because they're silly rules. But Google has a lot of rules about uh, notifications and ads, right? That's one that you can't do anymore, but it's still abused. Yeah, it says, uh, unless the exclusive purpose of the app is that of a lock screen, apps may not introduce ads or features that monetize the lock display of a device. So that language doesn't leave a lot of loopholes, I feel like. Um, so it's like it mentions that the unless the app is like an exclusive, like exclusively a lock screen thing, it cannot introduce uh, ads or features that, you know, monetize the lock screen. So that's yeah, this is good. I hope this is actually enforced because I hate that garbage so much. Like I hate ads. That, like I don't have a problem with apps having ads. Like I don't actually have a problem. Developers gonna eat and whatnot. Uh, but stuff like lock screen ads is just it's just terrible. It's just uh, just exploitative and it's just it's just bad look for everybody. Uh, so good thing that google is uh stopping these yeah like this is this is like one of those rare cases right where i i would be like you know if you ever see someone who has a lock screen out on their phone like you know don't don't be a tech bro don't don't be that person but like maybe explain like just like talk to them be like well what's this app do right just like kind of ask them because i do that when i'm at work right but i see lock screen ads i'd be like oh why are there ads on your lock screen? And they'd be like, uh, I don't know. And I'll look at them and they'll be like, you want me to help you get rid of that? Like there's, there's a way to do that conversation where you don't come off as like a pretentious like asshole. And like, you should try and have that because no one benefits from having no it. No one that- benefits from this. And you could, this is like a possible service that you, like, if you have, like if you have family with Android phones and you know, you see this, you know, you know, over Christmas, over Thanksgiving, you know, like, uh, like if you can, like you can like, Hey, let me, can I take a look at your phone? Like see if there's any issues, you know? Uh, like try like this is this is terrible like i feel like if you see this in the wild you should try to you know at least educate the people like maybe you don't want to like maybe they don't want to give you your phone which is fine uh you don't want to be like that dude at the apple store who shamed me for swiping away my apps before closing oh wait i don't think i told that story i don't think i told the story so you you are (laughs) so as i was saying earlier before before you yell at me too as what i was saying earlier when i went to the apple store uh to check my watch right when i was talking about watch was 4.0 and it had a bug that would not let you charge the watch by the way so i thought it was my watch's battery because i've had it for like two and a half years now so i'm like okay maybe the battery's starting to go to shit you know we'll go to the apple store it's still under apple care we'll like i'll talk to them i'll see what's going on and uh no it just turns out there's a bug but then he uh the the genius saw that i had no he saw me swipe away an app and he emailed me the support documentation on why you shouldn't do that and like just like owned me so hard and i was just like dude chill and like don't don't be like that because you know like okay i i know why i i know what happens when you swipe away an app i've I've made iphone apps before i know how that works but i don't know it just feels good i (laughs) You, I would say you were rightfully shamed, and I don't think the Apple person did anything wrong here. Uh, they, they weren't. Ru- I don't think they were rude about it. Uh, they just, you know, hey, you might not want to do that, right? It's just yeah, like, yeah. Like, he was, he was and they explained it, it to you um, from a support perspective. I think that was the right thing to do, but maybe, maybe like uh, I, I would imagine this, the Apple people uh, at the stores probably see that a lot, and they, you know, like they want to like discourage that behavior uh, and educate users uh, about uh, memory management. Um, iOS does that for you. And most, I'm saying most of the time, you don't need to swipe away apps, uh, unless there's a misbehaving app, which I've encountered, like YouTube, Google, um, like, uh, sometimes like it like eats battery or whatever, or it's like in a weird state where it's stuck or something. 
um, you might want to like, you know, go to the task switcher and manually kill it and restart it. But other than that, in the day-to-day usage of uh, of your phone, uh, you don't need to swipe away apps. Uh, iOS manages memory uh, usage and caching and whatnot for you. And actually it does more harm because you might want to re- use that app again and then it has to start the entire app from scratch um so stuff like that yeah don't don't do it unless you absolutely like have to because like apple's uh an app is misbehaving so don't do that that's our sidebar on you know memory management on iOS. <sighs> uh i get shamed wherever i go I give yeah up. Um, you know moving um, on you to, know next topic let's just go next, next topic, topic. Yeah, next topic. Uh, um chrome is going to stop third-party software injections uh in chrome like chrome extensions that are like uh third-party software that's injecting extensions into chrome uh, other than from the Chrome Store, uh, so like if you install like an antivirus app, right, and it would it would add a toolbar button that would scan all of your web pages and all the such, which is um a it's 2017 Windows De- Windows Defender. If you have Windows 10 updated, honestly, is good enough, and you don't really need to install anything. But also, uh, don't let apps install extensions because most of the time they're probably hooked into some native system stuff and it's probably hijacking your web browser more than you want it to be yes i don't trust any antivirus company to inject itself into my browser like that is not a thing i ever want to happen like i like browsers are browsers are already heavy enough and possibly prone to a lot of bugs um and i don't want like shitty antivirus code to become a like a more of a problem uh, so don't like if you have these you can disable them um in in, in extension settings um but this will this change will start in chrome 66 which is due in april of 2018 um if that version crashes it'll warn users that there's something injected uh, that could be causing problems and in chrome 68 in july 2018 it's gonna start actually blocking the injection fully um uh, um, it will allow the injected software, but show a warning. Like that's what it says. And Chrome seventy two in January, twenty nineteen will block code injection entirely, so it's not even possible. So, yeah, that's that's that. Um, because honestly, like nothing needs to inject itself like that into your browser at this point. Um, it's, it's not good. Anything that is doing so is is probably full of bugs, like antivirus software. So that's uh, Chrome news. Uh, we have a bit of like a big sort of uh, maybe we want to do the HP Asus announcement before we. Yeah, yeah. Let's we'll talk about so yeah. Let's do that before we do the, the next one. Let's switch that up. Um, so HP and Asus announced their uh, first Windows 10 ARM PCs. We talked about this earlier in the year. Uh, Microsoft announced that Windows 10 will be running on ARM devices, and now um, because Microsoft can't name things. Windows 10 on ARM is different than Windows Runtime on ARM, which is different than Windows 10 Mobile, which is different than Windows 10 Phone, which is different than Windows 10 for mobile devices. Welcome uh. to Skew Hell, I'm Screaming. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, so Windows yeah. 10 on ARM is Windows 10 Desktop but on ARM. Windows 10 Mobile gives you the mobile shell. Windows 10 Phone is no longer around because that's just the phone experience. Windows... 10 uh, ARM runtime was uh, Windows 8. No, Windows on ARM runtime, whatever it's called, was Windows 8, but like the Surface RT devices. So Windows 10 on ARM is the thing that is Microsoft's newest pet project. And so it's just uh, off-the-shelf 
Qualcomm chips, the three uh, three eighty eight thirty five, yeah, and and the eight forty five should be coming out next year. I'll support this, and it's um the devices the HP one looks really nice. It's like a Surface like device, super thin, right? Runs um an ARM chip. It's supposed to get up to twenty hours of battery life. It has it's not they're not RAM starved, right? They have a gr- a good amount of RAM, and what I what I think, right? I think a I want to try one of these out. But B, I think that it's going to run great for UWP apps. But when it starts to come to the Win32 emulation, that's when it's going to start mm, the shit out. Yeah, I have a feeling. We'll see when these actually come out to see how, how they perform. Um, so there are two devices announced. Asus announced the Nova Go 2-in-1 uh, laptop and the HP one is the NVX2. Both of them uh, Snapdragon 835 powered, I think. Yeah, which means that they get LTE. So they have LTE access. So you can, I guess, put in a SIM card. Um, like, uh, I guess, a nano SIM, uh, and then you get LTE access from your, uh, data carrier. Uh, so that's, I mean, we'll see, these devices are not out yet, so there's no, like, review or anything, so these are just announcements, uh, but we'll see how these perform when they come out. So that's the HP and Asus, uh, Windows 10 ARM PCs. We're gonna have a link to the article that, uh, has more details on the announcement, but we're going to move on to our sort of a big topic, uh, big two topics for today. Uh, Google and Amazon, the feud continues, I suppose, The and how this is a bad thing. Christian, you want to, I think you, you can go into a bit of bit of detail about this. So um, the this drama started because Google took off YouTube off the uh, Fire TV, um, Amazon streaming set-top box, and the the thing is is like so this originally started right google and amazon been feuding ever since amazon refused to uh like amazon wouldn't add chromecast supports for prime tv on android but also at the same time google wouldn't put any of their apps on the fire devices right so it's been going back almost a half a decade at this point when the first fire the kindle the kindle uh tablet fire kindle whatever they're called amazon also doesn't is bad at naming things um so when their first Android-based uh, devices came out, Google wouldn't let any of the Google Play apps run on the uh, and- on Amazon's fork of Android. And they claimed it was because it's a fork of Android, it wouldn't be compatible. But if you go to China, Xiaomi with Mi, uh, Mi OS, Mi, Mi UI, whatever they call it, that one runs Google Play when it's being sold outside of China, when they sell it in India and other markets. So, um, And that's a pretty non-standard fork of Android, right? Like the the UI is completely redone for that. That doesn't that somewhat follows mainline Android, right? In terms of like the base API stuff. So does Amazon. Amazon only changed around the UI. And if recent versions of Amazon's Fire OS fork, it's been more like mainline Android. So that argument's never really held weight. And so once the Chromecast came out, Amazon would not add Prime TV uh, support to it or Amazon Music support to it. Um, they also won't support the Google Home, obviously, because they have the Echo. And Amazon will not sell the the chromecast or google home devices in the amazon store and so google is retaliating by taking youtube access off of the fire yeah, the echo show the fire tv what it so like it's ridiculous right if you ask the echo show if you're like um please don't go off alexa show me cat videos on youtube it will load the web page not even full screen like it just it shows you a web view and I think on the Fire TV, you just no longer get access to YouTube at all. Yeah, so it, on the Fire TV, it'll just pop up in an, uh, an announcement uh, dialogue. 
at say says, uh, says uh, starting on well you can load it but for now till it says starting on 2018 it's the 1st of January YouTube will not be available on this device you can continue to enjoy your favorite creators and videos in many other ways and it puts like a Google short link for a list of devices you can use so that is petty as hell like that's petty bullshit like this is all like these feels like Taylor Swift levels of petty like this is bad um, oh my god. It, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna Photoshop the Google logo onto Reputation, and that's this week's show. Art. Yes, yes, that's that that is extremely <laughs> good. Uh, please do. Uh, but yeah, this is Google and Amazon being very petty, and it's affecting both of their customer bases. So this is like this. The story here is that the story is the details of the feud here are not actually that important, but the problem here is the feud itself is affecting. Um, just regular users, like everyday people who buy Fire TVs, you know, who have these, who have these devices, uh, and then there's suddenly uh, in in January, YouTube is just going to stop working, right? And this is just like a device that just gets worse. Uh, and Google, YouTube, Google is using that position, like the position of YouTube, to lev- as leverage, right? This is and, like as a so Jake was saying, uh, host of Pentagon was, I was talking to him earlier. He was he was saying that this is like a net neutrality issue, right? Because you're blocking off access for no technical reason. It's, like, it's, it's not, not like it's not like it's Amazon devices are pulling too really much bandwidth. Net, it's not really net neutrality. Like it's 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 net, like we're gonna have a discussion about net neutrality some other day. But this I don't think this is really a net neutrality issue because net neutrality is a different thing. Uh, that's that's at a lower level than this. Uh, but this is not really a net neutrality issue. But this is this is this is a still a customer sort of rights issue. Customer sort of. Uh, like this is not well, it's a freedom and open access issue at the very least. Yeah, right? I suppose. Like it's yes. a, like, it's, like I mean, it's it's that if I get a device and it says it supports something, that feature shouldn't go away just because of some petty corporate bullshit, right? Like it's it. W- there's no technical reason for this not to be happening, right? Like it's, no, there's no there reason no, at all. This no, is only you. politics, and the fact that they're snooping this piece, like this, just shows that Google cares this much about Amazon. Right, yeah. like this is this is it's petty, right? Because this Google wants Amazon to carry their devices, so Google's taking off YouTube. I and like at I, the end of the day, right? Yeah. Like, um, as someone who has had an Apple TV that just got Prime Video, you know what I did, right? I just didn't use Amazon Video Services. Like, Google, no people, no one's going to buy a Chromecast over a Fire TV because a Chromecast has YouTube. You're going to buy the one that you just happen to see your family mm. got for you or yeah. that was on sale right yeah so brand loyalty really doesn't work when it comes to streaming tv set top boxes right mm. like it's not like a phone where like you have money and time invested in the ecosystem right so this is um this is this is bad like this is bad for everybody involved and both companies here are with fault uh nobody is, this is petty on both sides uh and it's just like it's just putting like nobody's benefiting, uh, and this is it's just taking out the petty bullshit on the people that uh, just buy these devices. So sort it out, Google, Amazon. Like honestly, what the fuck? Uh, this this should not be a thing that ever like actually sees the light of day, and but it's still happening. Uh, so fix this shit, uh, Amazon. Please don't be fucking dumb uh, and. Have, like I feel like somebody is not compromising here. I feel like there's some petty bullshit and there's some politics, but there's this I feel like Amazon is is like 
It's probably uh, Amazon because Amazon doesn't care because Amazon doesn't, doesn't only now started carrying the Apple TV because Prime Video is on it, right? Like Amazon, Amazon is peak petty because they have the power to be because uh, this is 2017 and we don't consider huge internet companies monopolies when they totally are. But that's also another conversation. That's another, another podcast conversation. Episode. Uh, we, we're going to leave with a very good article uh, on The Verge uh, by Chris Welch. Uh, I, I think you should read it. And it, it goes into fair amount of detail about why this is bad and why this is like bad for sort of like the like this is not really net neutrality but it is adjacent uh in some ways uh it's the same kind of like ideas of an open internet yes right like maybe it's not exactly net neutrality no it's not but but i should not be like i shouldn't like be expected that like devices just stop losing features because of non-technical reasons like if say like as i'm saying right if like for whatever reason Amazon did something in their OS that they just, like if YouTube moved to a new codec, right? And and uh, Amazon has, hasn't added support for it yet. That I don't get access to videos. You know, fine. Maybe it's a shitty experience, but I at least understand that from a technical level. But this is just no reason for it. Yeah, this is it's, it's peak yeah, bullshit. This, yeah, this is peak bullshit. Uh, you can go read the Verge article. Uh, it's a good editorial piece. Uh, I recommend reading it. Uh, that's all the news and updates. Uh, we have like a last segment for the show. Uh, this is gonna be <laughs> I did a good thing. one. I did the thing I said that one. I wasn't gonna do. I, yeah, I, I, we were, Christian, so we're talking. We we're talking about the Xbox One X, and we're like, you know, great hardware, great package, but we probably don't need it because neither of us has a 4K TV. So I did the thing, and I bought an Xbox One X without having a 4K TV, and so um. I just, I'm just gonna reiterate what I said about I thought about the hardware now that I have it on hand. Yeah, you know, this hardware is baller. Like it's Surface Team, Panos. Ah, uh, it's so good. It's it's good stuff. Like I say, what we want about Windows, but Microsoft Service Division. I guess now it's their their hardware design, hardware devices division because the whole team has been uh promoted to do every single hardware product that comes out of Microsoft. It's good design. So this thing, right? I, there's, there's going to be pictures. I'll put them in the show notes of this being compared to the original Xbox One. And it's so much smaller. And the thing is, too, right? So I got this over a 1S because um, if we look at something like PowerDraw, right? I'll have a link to a Digital Foundry article. The 1X and the original one are actually pretty similar in terms of PowerDraw. Um, of course, the 1X, when it's like being worked really hard, will pull more power. But... They idle around the same. If they're just watching videos, it's around the same. The 1S definitely, though, has almost half the power draw of the 1X and the 1. So, like, if you if power draws something that you think is important to you, that's, you should look for it at the 1S. But in terms of, uh, um, like... So, I was actually going to get a Switch, right? I was thinking about getting a Switch. But then I, I was, like, I was looking at all the games, right? And I'm like, if I just get this, I can play all the games I already own. And more importantly, I think... I think Microsoft's just starting to lock us in, right? I don't think that's a negative way, right? Because I have I have a save of Fallout 3 that I started, like, before I met you, right? Like, this is before I ever, like, hopped on IRC when I was, like, 10 or 11. And because it's still on my original Xbox by 360, and then Microsoft added cloud saves, I moved it to a cloud save, whether you got with Xbox Live Gold, and then those cloud saves were transferred to the Xbox One with backwards compatibility hit. So I've had this save going for a decade, and I can still play it on this console I just bought yesterday. And, like, for me, like, I recognize that, like, the PS4 has better exclusives and the Switch has fun Nintendo games. But um, that is, like, important to me because um, I there's this YouTuber I follow. I do not remember his name. I'm sorry. But uh, I, he said once, he was like, 
every game that's uh that I've never played is new to me, right? Like so you have like this extensive backlog of games that I'm gonna maybe in quotations that are new, right? Because they're not like new releases, but because I've never played them, they're new to me, right? There's like and with Games Pass and stuff, you there's like there's enough of a library where I'm fine with it. And also too, when it comes to the Switch, um that controller is too small for me. My hands are too big. It's uncomfortable to play. I, I've played a Switch before. I have to use the Pro Controller or else my hands get cramped. And, like, you, you get, like, those weird... Like, they're not... They feel like RSI things, right? Where you like those hand cramps if you're typing at a weird angle. Like, I get that same feeling when I use a Switch. Yeah, that's... Yeah, like, the Switch, I haven't actually tried one in person, so I, I cannot comment similarly, but I would, I would... If I bought the Switch, I would probably get the Pro Controller because... That looks cramped as hell. Uh, yeah, and that like ruins me. the use case for it, right? Yeah. Like, if I'm only able to use it when it's, like, docked or whatever, then what's the point of getting one? And also, it's a, it's a Mario and Zelda machine and nothing else. Nothing else interests me. So I decided to go with the with the One X just because I didn't have to rebuy my entire library. And setup is actually really great. So all my games are on a 2-terabyte external. Um, I backed up my profile to it. You plug it in. You turn it on. It does downloads and update. And all you have to do is enter in your two-step authentication code if you have that enabled on your Microsoft account. And you're all set to go. Everything's moved over. Um, well, I, in theory, if I was smart and I downloaded 4K assets beforehand, I would be all set to go. But since yesterday, um, I've just been downloading 4K assets for games. And it ranges from like 2 gigs to Fallout 3, or Fallout 4 rather, is 40 gigs. It's uh it's it's varies in sizes for games. Halo 5 with the latest update apparently downloaded 4K assets anyways even though I didn't have that turned on. So that was uh nice to know that I can play good old Halo 5. And so the going back to the hardware though. It's quiet. Like there is a fan, but Digital Foundry talks about it too, right? There's sometimes when like the computers have fans, but it's the pitch that's more important than it actually being blowing, right? Cuz some fans have this like annoying high whine to it. This one's just like sort of a low murmur. I can hear the fan if I really listen, but it's not. It's like it's low enough in terms of like frequency that it doesn't bother me. And um, like I said, the device is nice. Uh, the I didn't get the Project Scorpio edition because I didn't pre-order it because don't pre-order things. Um, they also redesigned the controller. Um, I'm going to have a photo of all three Xbox tours, the Elite, the original one, and the new one that comes with the Scorpio. So... They made the thumbsticks um, a little tighter in terms of how how they feel. The D-pad's still a mushy mess. Uh, the bumpers are a little bit more clicky. And it's a lighter. And this is the one that supports Bluetooth, right? This is one of the newer ones. And it has, like, sort of, like, a textured grip on the back, which isn't... So the Elite controller has a rubber grip. This one has more of, like, it's meshed into the plastic. It feels nice. Um, though, something that's really annoying... This console is $500, and it doesn't ship with a uh, a chat headset. Yeah, Microsoft, what are you doing? That's... <laughs> like, I was looking in the box, I was like, is it really? And I looked online, and I was like, oh yeah, the, the Microsoft page is like, only comes with the console, the controller, and an Xbox Live code, and, and the cables. And I'm like, what? But it's 500 though. Like, I just throw in the headset. These things are like 20 bucks. Like, I... It's it's so silly. It's it's a small thing, but I I have one right. I have like a game. I have a headset, but it's I'm just like really. But um, so setup is great. Is easy. It's been downloading assets. I've gotten managed to play some games. I played Skyrim, uh, in 4K. So I like I said, I have a 1080p TV. What it does, so it super samples down from 4K to 1080p, and gonna be real, it's worth it. Like you know, like when you send me screenshots of like games on your PC, it looks like that for the most part. 
Like it, these are like because Skyrim is running at PC Ultra settings on this. Um, now, granted, the um, but for existing games, right? Like so, Forza Horizon Three. What it does is that it applies like sixteen times anti-aliasing, and um, since the CPU is faster and there's more uh, VRAM, you don't get frame drops as much. Now, if a game's locked at 30, it's going to be locked at 30 because that's in, in code, right? So you won't um, get any frame rates uh, that are higher unless it, the game runs at an unlock frame rate. And for most consoles that does it, most console games, it's not really what they do. What they'll do is there's games that'll try and lock at 30 but struggle to meet it, and they'll meet that 30 on the 1X. But also what it does is um, it helps with frame skipping that I've noticed, and some games have had that problem. So... Uh, uh, for people who are too into like games, what frame skipping and dropping frames are two different things. So when when um when a game's being rendered and displayed out to you, it's like thirty frames per second, right? So every every one second you'd get frame 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 in that kind of rhythm. But when when you have frame skipping, it's still technically thirty frames per second, but it's like frame frame gap frame 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 right as it's being rendered out. And so with the with the faster CPU and the more bandwidth you have on the One X, it smooths that out so you don't see that issue as much. And how it, it the difference between looking at seeing dropped frames and seeing frame skips is that things kind of clip in and out when it, the frame skips. And when frames drop, things just slow down a little bit. So um it helps it definitely helps smooth that out. Uh the console runs pretty uh pretty cool so it doesn't get warm but i have mine in like an open space so it doesn't it isn't as bad as the original one the original one got really toasty like it it was it gets toasty right but it's not like in a bad way i know that they're doing because it has a huge fan and a bunch of ventilation but this one runs cooler and it's all in all i think it's a good console um if maybe if you don't have a 4k tv maybe don't get it because uh my my main complaint with it is that Games really need just a performance or visual switch. Like Microsoft needs to enforce that as a standard because there are I I appreciate Skyrim looking beautiful. I really do. But I would much rather have that game run same visual quality as before, but just 1080p 30 or 60. And I recognize that there's some games that are like Destiny won't run at 60 because of the CPU. The CPU is still not strong enough, and that's fine. That That's fine. But for games that were... It, it's a, at least an... Op- like, Final Fantasy XV has this option, right? You can um, turn on 4K at 30, or you can do... Where it will drop frames and such, or you can do 1080p with a higher frame rate setting, right? Um, I think Rise of the Tomb Raider also has this option. Gears of War 4, I think, has this option. Like, there's games that have that option, and that's definitely appreciated, because there's some... Because I... I recognize that people sometimes like better visuals and there's some people who aren't, I'm not saying I'm not sensitive to frame skips or frame drops. I just don't like low frame rates. <laughs> like it's just a personal thing, right? Like I, I recognize it's a very picky thing to say, right? But I, if, if at all possible, 60 is my, is what I want and what I, what I need, especially for, for shooty games, right? Like Overwatch and Halo are just like have spoiled me. Um, so I would much, uh, I would appreciate the switch for that. So like at least I could run games that that support it because I recognize for some developers they'd have to like re-architect some of their game because whatever they're doing to the engine was just made with thirty frames in mind. You know, fine, bump it up to four K. That makes sense. Like I, it's really how much work do you really want to put in for a console that not many people are going to buy? But another thing too, Xbox three sixty emulation is so good on this. Like, have you seen the Halo three video? No, I have not. I'll send you. I'll put a link into the show notes. Digital Foundry. 
And it, so Microsoft, I think they're shipping like just, uh, I don't think they ship 4K assets. I don't think they have 4K assets, but they're shipping higher quality assets and they're running some kind of uh, emulation improvements on the game where it just looks super good. It looks just about as great as the Master Chief Collection version, but this is like the emulated one, right? And um, they do the same for like original Xbox games, right? Those look amazing, considering, like, I have Ninja Guide in Black, uh, which included Games Pass on my console, and that looks, like, obviously, I can tell at some points it's an old game, but it just looks so much better than how it looked back in 2001, 2002 when it came out. Like, the magic they're working on, it is just great. So, um, like, like I was saying, like, the, the One X, it's, like, you probably don't need it right now. I mainly got it because, A, I like performance, and B, when VR hits, um, because I know Microsoft has said they want to bring VR to consoles, but they're waiting for a good wireless solution. And the the One X has the horsepower to run VR decently, right? So, and I, I really want to get in on VR um, without having to build a super expensive PC. And so it's just, uh, overall, like, I think it's a good console. I think if you're getting an Xbox, um and you have a 4k tv definitely get the one x if you don't have a 4k tv and you care about if you want a console it's probably going to last you much longer than the one s because the one s i want to say probably like i don't think microsoft's going to be doing hardware revisions every like two years right i think maybe every four years maybe but probably like the next time a hardware revision comes out sony's gonna be dropping what the next playstation i don't think sony's gonna do another like a ps4 pro plus or anything but if microsoft's at any like if, if they've been hinting at any indication right they're probably just going to do like another xbox one and just like bump up the specs even more so i would say if you want something that's a bit more future proof go with the one x and if you if you can afford it because it, it is a nice console and it does play games very nicely and the games look really nice and for games that have higher frame rates it's beautiful yep that's the xbox one x the microsoft was leveraging the backwards compatibility stuff to the maximum uh, which is which is good I don't really have any thoughts that I didn't mention earlier about the One X. It, it is good hardware. Uh, software is, is personal opinion, is, is pretty good. Uh, oh, man, Xbox One OS has never run faster. <laughs> if anything, yeah, if anything yeah. the, the UI is super fast on this. It never yeah, lags out uh, on me. <laughs> that's, that's the Xbox One X. It doesn't lag out, I guess. Yeah, and uh, also, if you if you have a PC, honestly, at this point, just I would say if, if you have a PC, you probably shouldn't have an Xbox. You just got like a PS4 or a Switch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, well, if you have yeah. a PC, I can play games nicely. Like if you have like a Surface laptop or um, like an Ultrabook, like definitely, I would say an Xbox is a nice companion for it. But if you have like a, a beefy um, desktop that can run games, you're honestly not missing your outside of maybe some halo games which i'm pretty sure the next ones will be play anywhere as more games start to become play anywhere and uh hopefully maybe microsoft ever decides to bring backwards compatibility to pc please maybe microsoft do it but uh if that ever comes like definitely but as we talked about before it's microsoft strategy like they don't care if you're buying the hardware as long as you're paying for xbox live and uh yeah though that's that's the one x any any other thoughts you have on it no nah, no i don't have uh any other thoughts on the xbox one x it's it's a good machine uh with some decent software on it and i think with that we're gonna wrap up uh unless you have anything else to say I no wanna... um you're recording you're recording this time right <laughs> yeah 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 i'm definitely <laughs> recording i'm looking at ambassador right now um <laughs> You can find me on on Mastodon uh, at StaticSafe at Mastodon.ZomboCloud.com and Christian. You can find me on, on Mastodon at Chosefina Instance.Business. Yep. And with that, goodbye. Bye.